just from just singing. <laughs> See, my brother David Schooler down here pastored for many years on this district, and I wonder if he was ever like me. Sometimes I just wonder when I come to church on Sunday morning is, should we be coming in or should we be going out, you know? Our Christianity, friends, is not exhibited by what we do on Sunday morning. Christianity is what we is exhibited by what we do in the under other 666 hours of the week. Keep us from just singing. There are places in Scripture, and Prophet Isaiah says that he's tired of our singing. That that song written a few years ago, and it's taken from the book of if Micah. It's not really my text for this morning, but Prophet. Micah says in 6.6 6 of his writings, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? They're basically saying, what kind of ritual can we do? What kind of religious thing can we do? This was in a day of burnt offerings. This was in a day of sacrificing calves. This was in a day where other religions offered their firstborn for their transgressions. There was in a, this was in a day where someone always tried to do some religious thing. So the prophet Micah is asking and then says in verse 8, He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what, now what does the Lord require of us? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. We hear a lot of talk today, especially about that word justice and, and confusion between mercy and justice. And I hit this a few Sundays ago in the parable of the Good Samaritan, but may I just say real quickly that don't take your cues from any radio announcer on what justice means. Glenn Beck has started a firestorm in the evangelical church that he had no business starting. Let's don't take our cues from a Mormon theologically. Biblical justice is a tenet in Scripture that is extremely, extremely important. What we did back in August when we gave 535 backpacks to needy children that was an act of mercy. We needed to do that. We gave those to, to many uh, families, and their parents were probably irresponsible, and one of the reasons their kids are in that plight is because of their parents' irresponsibility. We're not stupid. We know that. But taking care of that child who is innocent victim of that irresponsibility is mercy. And what we are called to do now, the justice part of that is trying to be able to see and help why that family got into that situation and trying to be able to help them out of that. So that's behind some of our desire to take our school and turn it into the Nazarene Community Center. And we're already offering ESL and literacy classes and GED classes because those are justice issues to, to try to help people from getting into that mess that they're in. 
We had a young lady saved last week, and I met with her. And uh, I was so, so impressed that she came to me and she said uh, uh, that she needs a mentor. And I said, do you understand what that means? If you have a mentor, they ask very personal questions. They'll get right down in your business. And she goes, that's what I need. Those are justice issues. As we try not only to be able to, to help someone for the afterlife, but we try to be able to make them whole in this life as much as we can empowered by the Spirit of God. Biblical justice is, is seen throughout the Scriptures. And we are called as Christians to be able to be people of mercy and to be people of justice, to be make sure the innocent is in some way justified and things are made right. And we're probably never able to be able to do that. Uh, but making our effort to do that is what the kingdom of heaven is about. We're in a series of messages on making a difference. And it's appropriate on this Orphan Sunday that we talk about making a difference in the life of a child. And I don't know anything that any of us could be able to do that is more important than to make a difference in the life of a child. And we can make a difference in the life of a child in a myriad of ways. There are teachers right now that are teaching and they're making a difference in the life of a child. There's so many ways we can do that. But on this Orphan Sunday, we want to make you aware of the plight of so many boys and girls in the United States and abroad that need Christian people to step up to the plate. And in some ways, we have abdicated to the government the care of orphans. But who in the world better to father the fatherless than Christians? There's one reason that Sue and I are adoptive parents and will continue to be adoptive parents. Because we have something to offer children. We have a Christian home. And freely, freely we have received from God. And now freely, freely we give. So today my goal is totally overt. I'm asking God to make us mindful and apply to the orphan and make each one of you mindful on how you could be involved in orphan care ministries. That could be through adoption. That could be through foster care. That could be supporting both of those endeavors. But I am reminded that that the book of James tells us that pure and faultless religion is taking care of orphans and widows in their distress and making sure that you keep from being polluted by the world. And as Nazarenes, we've talked about that keeping polluted from the world a whole lot, and as we should, but there's another half of that, of getting involved in the dirty world of orphans and widows and the least of these and people that are in need. So today I'm pleased to be able to share with you David and Jane Schooler, David pastored on this district for many years. His most recent pastor was at West Carrollton. Jane is an accomplished author in her own right and has authored and co-authored many books on foster care and adoption. 
and I've asked them just to share just a little bit about their work that they have going on now overseas and even in retirement now, how God has kind of tweaked their ministry and changed their ministry and given them an open heart uh, in the area of some orphanages overseas. So could you all come and be able to share? Let me see if I can get a microphone for you. Thank you, Pastor. Jane and I are very pleased to be here and glad, glad to have our friends who have been in Kyrgyzstan with us, Randy and Kim uh, Gabley. And they'll be at a table out here in the back if you want to ask questions more about what we're doing or what it's all about. We're going to show a little video here. It's about uh, two and a half minutes long. And just before I do that, let me uh, share with you, uh, as Pastor mentioned, I shared, or I have Pastor Lebanon in West Carolina for about 24 years total. And we always did the shoebox thing. And uh, wonderful, we thought, and a lot of work went into it, boxes stacked everywhere. And we thought it was a wonderful thing. But we were in Kyrgyzstan when the boxes were delivered to hundreds of children. Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell you how much more of a believer I am in the shoebox ministry because I saw these little kids with nothing receive something from somebody here because you did what you did. One of the villages that we worked in, uh, the, it's a Muslim country, Kyrgyzstan, is the Muslim mosque seized the uh, gifts and especially the books about Christ. But many of them made it through the network, so they're doing what they were intended to do. Uh, so keep up that good work. I think it was Jill asking you to help in that regard. Let me share very briefly, just before the um, um, video, in Kyrgyzstan, Jane and I have a driver that we use mostly because we, for obvious reasons, but when we can, we walk. And we walk for lots of reasons. Once is good, we need to walk. Number two, you see all kinds of nuances and details you would not otherwise see. And another, the third reason is when we walk, we see these incredible little kids, kids, children everywhere. The houses are small, very close together. And when you walk down the street, I tell you, I know what's going to happen. From this side of the street and from that side of the street, kids run up to us with wide eyes because they, they have never seen anything like us. And I know what they're going to say. They're going to say, hello. And we say, hello, <laughs> and we walk three steps. I know what they're going to say. They're going to say goodbye. And I got to thinking about that goodbye or hello, goodbye principle. All of us, each of us, every day of our lives are saying hello and goodbye to something or someone, whether Kroger checkout lady or our wives or whatever. And that period of time between hello and goodbye is our opportunity make a difference in the life of somebody. It's powerful. Even this morning, a number of you beautiful people have come to me and have blessed me. You didn't know me. You said hello, and then we said goodbye. But between that little time, you have blessed me. So Jane has put together a uh, hello, goodbye uh, video uh, thing, and it's about two and a half minutes long. And these are the people we know and the places that we have been. And many of them are orphans, but all of them are, as Pastor said, the least of these. So we're going to see this uh, little video here. And uh, I trust that we'll give you some insight into our work. Just after that, Jane will come and put a closing uh, comment on the, uh, on the video. But remember, remember, between our hellos and our goodbyes, God has given us an opportunity and a privilege and I think a responsibility to 
do something for God and for good in that moment or in that lifetime. Bless you. Thank you. Two thousand eight, I guess it was a little earlier than that, we were asked a question. We consider going to the country of Kyrgyzstan for six months and just showing up. And David had taken a sabbatical from the West Carrollton Nazarene Church, and, and we said yes. And it's amazing when God places a question in front of you how it can really change the course of your life. And uh, our time in Kyrgyzstan, we've uh, spent three months there and three months at home. This year we're a little bit more home than we really want to be because of some other work obligations, but we've been involved in orphan care ministries, and part of our work is training social workers and orphanage caregivers on better care for these children. And it's been a life-changing experience. And, and the, probably the, the most important thing that I want to leave with you, I could spend three hours talking to you about Kyrgyzstan. Just turn my little button on and I'm going, but I won't do that tomorrow this morning. But... Um, <clears throat> Someone said, well, you so, see so many needs. We see a, a country in devastation. Every place we go, um, it's about mere survival for most of them. The university kids that you saw there, that's a brand new university in, the, uh, in a little town away from the capital city. A number of those children are from orphanages. Most of them are from single, very uh, destitute, poverty-stricken families. And this university is giving them an opportunity for an education. David's on the uh, chairman of the board there, and, and we both teach there when we're in the country. Well, somebody asked me a question. You see so many needs. How can you meet all those needs? I read a book by a missionary. Um, actually, on our very first flight over there, uh, our 36-hour trip over to Kyrgyzstan, and Randy and, and Kim have been there. And there was a principle in the book. And the principle was, stop for the one that God puts in front of you. And our prayer when we're in the... And that applies whether we're overseas or whether here. God will bring people in front of you that he says, stop. These are the people that I want you to minister to. So as you move forward in your orphan care ministry, um, adoption, foster care ministry, there are many of you who say, well, I can't adopt or I can't foster. But there's something God can call you to to step forward in ministering to supporting adoptive families. As I know you do, Sue and Mark, and I'm sure you have other adoptive families, just loving the kids, being that extra grandma or grandpa. Uh, and another thing I learned that David and I are empty nesters, and we are absolutely loving our empty nest. Um, and because um, God has given us a, a vision of what these years can be for us. And there are many of you in here that, oh, maybe there's something God could do to use me somewhere. And so I deeply appreciate Mark. I could talk about this all morning, but I'll hand the mic over to the control guy. Kyrgyzstan is a little country near China. It used to be one of the former Soviet countries. And when the Russian, um, when Russian fell, the Soviet Union fell in 1991, they left every place, devastated and destitute. And it's a country that is still trying to get back on its feet 20-some years later. Um, it's 80% Muslim. 80% of the families in Kyrgyzstan do not have fathers. Um, alcohol is a horrendous problem in the country. There are many children in orphanages uh, with fetal alcohol because of the alcohol problem. Um, the little boy you saw, Arafat, um, was a little boy that we were able to... Uh, actually, a, um, a family from Living Hope paid for his surgery to have his cleft palate uh, fixed. And so... Uh, it's just an incredible thing. So, again, it's an opportunity. The least of these are everywhere in Kyrgyzstan. Thank you, Jane. 
And Jane and Dave will be out front at their table, and, and I want you to know that, that we've written them a, a check from this church that is kind of, we usually use this for local needs, but I thought it would be appropriate to use those for compassionate needs wherever they may be found. And you may want to talk to them about their ministry and, and about supporting them. I just wanted to make you aware of some things that our Nazarene friends are doing. And one of the reasons I wanted to be able to bring them to you is because they're retired. They're retired. And at the age of retirement, God is opening up new avenues of ministry for them. And I just, just wonder how much God can do with our lives uh, once we reach that retirement age and once we're empty nesters and some of the responsibilities that hold us down to Ohio are no longer there, is it a time for me to uh, relax or is it a time to say, God, what would you have me do with this newfound freedom that I have in my life? We all are adopted, right? Every single one of you, if you're a Christian, you are adopted. Everybody talks about uh, that everybody's a child of God. That's not a biblical statement. We are adopted children of God. We have been adopted by faith. And we have the spirit of adoption, Romans chapter 8 says, and so we can cry, Abba, Father. If you are a Christian here today, you have been adopted into his family and you have an inheritance that is as sure as his son's inheritance. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, the, it's the legal part of salvation that you have been adopted. And adoption is the gospel. It's the gospel. But, gospel, but adoption is also mission. At, someone has said that you're never more like God when you adopt. Never more like God than when you're rescuing. You're never more like God when you're meeting the needs of orphans, widows, the least of these. We sang a song talking about God came down to rescue us. I believe with all my heart that, that we rescued Christopher and we rescued Levi. And that's not to pat us on the back. We just saw it as a natural outgrowth of our rescuing that God has provided for us. And this morning, I would just ask you to open your hearts and open your minds. And just would you pray and be able to say, God, what would you have me do in this area of orphan care? And he won't call everyone to adopt. He won't call everyone to foster care. He may call you to those things. He may call you to something else. Would your heart be open to it? About a year ago, my heart wasn't open. Levi's little sister became available. And you know, I'm, I'm 52. I don't need a newborn. That cramps my style. I like to be 90 before the kids are out of high school. And we rationalize as a newborn, there'll be plenty of families that'll step up to the plate. And indeed, that's the truth. So we said no to Ida. And 
God, about a month after that, just jumped all over me for that. What better way to spend my retirement than taking care of kids? God jumped all over me and said, Mark, what better way to invest your latter years than in rescuing children? What better thing to bring glory to me by doing something like that? And you see, I said no because it was all about me. Scott Porter tonight at, at the Chase service is preaching a message titled, I am third See, in that decision, I was first. I was first. As you open your heart I'm violating my to orphan care two and all the facets of that, um, I'd ask you to ask yourself that question. Why wouldn't you? And whatever the answer to that is, are you okay with that answer? Are you okay with that answer? You know, just in the last couple of weeks, some, some things have happened with knowledge who we've had now for about 15 months and what looked like could end up being an adoption situation may not be an adoption situation. You never know how all that stuff worked out. We, we were sure Levi was going home four times. And, but, you know, knowledge may go home around Christmas time and everybody says, oh, I could never be a foster parent because, uh, you know, I just couldn't let him go. And, and may I say to you very graciously and lovingly, it's not about you. It's about providing a home for a short period or long period or maybe forever for a child that is needy and needs a home. We had Levi for about a year and a half, and it took him. I wanted to give birth mom and dad one more shot, and and we, Sue and I drove him to the house and, and dropped him off to who Levi calls Mama Rose, and and uh, we cried, and we sat there on the porch and cried, and we got back into the van, and, and we prayed, and I looked to her and I said, Sue, we did a good thing. It hurts. It should hurt if your heart is invested in it. But who cares? It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about those children. I ask you to open your heart and mind and ask the why wouldn't I question? Why wouldn't I get involved in this in some way? At the first service, well, that's the last video, okay. Well, why wouldn't I question is, is answered loudly by your age for some of you. Next uh, Sunday night at 6.30, right, so Mac? We have a, be a veteran's service. But uh, at 5.30 in the fireside room, I'd like to have a meeting with anyone interested in orphan care ministries at Xenia Church of the Nazarene. I have no clue what shape it's going to take, what it's going to look like, you come to this meeting, you're not signing up to adopt or to be a foster parent. You're coming to this meeting by saying, you know, I need to be involved in orphan care in some way. And maybe God would lead to adopt or to be a foster. You know, who knows? But you're just coming to this meeting, and we're going to talk. Hey, what would an orphan care ministry look like at Xenia Church of the Nazarene?
and uh, next Sunday night at 5.30, if you'd be open to that, we would like to have that meeting. Um, Karen Cummings is on our uh, board this morning upstairs, and she asked me, what's your scripture? And I said, I don't have one. And I felt pretty heretical by saying that, really. But let me close with my scripture this morning. Psalm 68, verse 4. Sing to God, sing praise to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord, and rejoice before him. He is a father to the fathers. You know, and one of the big reasons in the whole adoption, foster care thing that keeps a lot of people back are the fathers. Fathers don't want to do it. God gets all over the moms sometimes. Dads, what a better thing to be able to put on your tombstone was that you were a father to the father. You can put on your tombstone that you enjoyed a nice retirement in California or Florida. Or you could maybe put on your tombstone that you were a father to the father. I look at kids in this area that there is no hope for them. There is no hope for them to get out of their cycle of poverty and dysfunction unless some godly dad comes and rescues them. God calls himself a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. Is God in his holy dwelling? God sets the lonely in families. Let's stand together. Let's pray, please. <laughs> Father, the gospel is good news, but the gospel and all the ramifications of it is biblically presented. It's an uncomfortable thing because you don't ask for our Sunday morning attendance and you don't just ask for a tenth of our money. You ask for us. Lock, stock, and barrel. And so, Father, I pray for these people here that somehow by your Holy Spirit you've pricked them today on this whole understanding of orphan care. And, Father, I have not the first clue on where this is going as Xenia Church of the Nazarene. I know we have three foster families in our, in our congregation, and I'd love for it to be 30. But, Father, you direct us on that. And would you start with today and then follow it up with next Sunday night at 5.30 as we get together to brainstorm what an orphan care ministry would be like. God, I pray for these people, the people that I shepherd. My heart's desire is that they would open their heart and ask you, what should they do in this whole area of orphan care? For the people that do that, Father, I know that you'll speak to them. Thank you for your presence here today. Thank you that you rescued me. Now may I go rescue others. In the name of Christ.